Hi, welcome to our weekend service. It's wonderful to know that you're gathering again in your homes and it won't be long now, but continue to gather in your homes. And those of you online, please do chat with me. I love to hear what you're thinking and talking about. Today, we continue the study of the book of Ezra. And last week, we heard from Pastor John about how Ezra and Nehemiah is really a book about the children of Israel coming back from captivity in Babylon into Jerusalem again. And in the season of this coming back, the main theme is one of spiritual renewal. And I totally agree with him. That's why the book of Ezra is an appropriate book for us to read. In fact, we are also going to go out into a season of renewal. After COVID-19, there's going to be renewals in the economic systems. Even people running businesses have to renew their business models. Even us going to church, we have to renew the way we come together. Even people celebrating birthdays and Hari Rayas have to renew the concept of how do they gather socially. So there's a great renewal process going on. In the midst of this renewal process, chapter 3 of the book of Ezra gives us some what I call good solid truths that we can use to bring us through into this season of renewal. Now the book of Ezra and chapter 3 is divided into two portions, verse 1 to verse 7. So turn with me to the book of Ezra in your Bibles, verse 1 to verse 7. The main theme is the rebuilding of the altar. And I just want to highlight two things about the rebuilding of the altar. First of all, it says in verse 1, they came together as one man in Jerusalem. One man. Turn to your friend and say, one man. Not just me alone, but everyone coming together. If we want to help each other go into the season of renewal, we cannot do it alone. We must come together as one man. And what did they do? They began to rebuild the altar first. Why the altar? After all, the building has not yet been built. Ah, because they understood the principle of first things first. The principle that the spiritual precedes the physical. Before there can be a renewal of the physical, even of our businesses, even of our church life, the spiritual must be renewed first. The second thing that this reminds us is this, that worship of God must precede working for God. In fact, I want to add one more. The altar must precede the alterations that's coming onto our lives. Remember, that's, I know that you're ready for this season of renewal because many of you spend time at the 1010 altars. Ask your friend, did you enjoy the 1010 altars? And if you do, just type online to me and say, yes, I enjoyed it. Now, it's not about just enjoying it. It's about creating an altar, a spiritual presence of the Lord. When the glory of God and the presence of God comes to us, we are ready for whatever alterations there will be out there. I know that some of you will even have to face job loss, salary cuts, and changes in education systems even. But God says the altar must precede the alteration. Today, actually, my main focus is on the second part of Ezra. Now, let's now look at Ezra chapter 3. And I'm just going to read uh, uh, just a short portion in the set from verse 17. I'm going to start from verse 8. In the second month of the second year, after the arrival at the house of God in Jerusalem, Zerubbabel, son of Shealtiel, Yeshua, son of Jehoshadab, 
and the rest of their brothers, the priests and the Levites, began to work appointing Levites 20 years of age and older to supervise the building of the house of the Lord. Yeshua and his sons and brothers, Kadmiel and his sons, the sons of Hanadad, their sons and brothers, all joined together in supervising the building of the house of God. And when the builders laid the foundation of the temple of the Lord, the priests in their vestments and trumpets and the Levites with the symbols and took their place to praise the Lord, prescribed by David, and they sang, He is good, and his love into Israel endures forever. And all the people gave a great shout of praise to the Lord, because the foundation of the house of the Lord was laid. Verse 7 to verse 14 is really about laying the foundations of the temple. And this is a very important part of chapter 3, and indeed, uh, I would say the core, central, fundamental part of the rest of the book of Ezra. When the foundations of the temple are laid, it reminds us that it is the foundations that determine the stability of a building. Now, just before I go and talk about foundation, I would like to mention one thing. When they laid the foundations, they involved the sons, those who were 20 years and older. So when I talk, when God speaks to us about laying of foundations, He's not just asking one generation to lay foundations. He's saying both the old and the young must now come together to lay the foundations of the house of God. Why are foundations important? In the whole time that of this lockdown, one of the questions God asked me is this. How strong are your foundations? How strong are the foundations of the church? Because in the whole shakings, when the COVID-19 crisis came, the foundations of many things were being shaken. Foundations of governments, foundations of the economy, business models, even the way people relate to one another, and even family life. For instance, some people actually found being locked down together as a family extremely difficult. I just heard from BBC that there's more cases of abuse in the family. Why? Because the foundation of the family was being shaken. So that's why God began to say, speak to me about foundations. What is a foundation? The foundation is the core structure of a building that determines the stability of a building. And you will never know how strong is that foundation until earthquakes, shakings, floods, torrential rain, and all the disasters come. And that is why foundations, though it cannot be seen, is the most important structure of a building. In the same way, as we go forward, moving out into the new season after COVID-19, God is saying, pay attention to your foundations. To really understand about foundations, let's turn to what Jesus taught us in the book of Matthew chapter 7. Come turn with me to the book of Matthew chapter 7 and we're going to read verse 24. Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house. Yet it did not fall because it had its foundation on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice, is like a foolish man 
who built his house on sand. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house, and it fell with a great crash. These are the words of Jesus, someone who wants to help us understand that all of life is based on foundations. The foundations of a person is like the foundations of a building. It cannot be seen, but it will only be revealed in the shakings. In the same way, foundations of organizations, foundations of science is being shaken, and you'll only be revealed when it's being shaken. So one of the things God began to say to me, look at what is happening now. The world has built itself on what's called false foundations. What would be false foundations? False foundations is that the man who built his house upon the sand, and when it is the three elements come, the rain came, the storm beat against it, and the floods rose, then it crashed. Now notice this. If only the rain came, maybe it would not have crashed. If only the flood rose, maybe it would not have crashed. But when all three elements pound against that house, the foundations were severely tested. Actually, to me, COVID-19 probably is only one or two of these elements. People tell us more is yet to come. We don't know how the economy will pan out. But can the world take this shaking if it continues to build itself on these on the foundations of pride of man. That's what has happened. What is the pride of man? It is when we think we have sent men to the moon, we can come up with AI, we know how to do genetic engineering, and yet one thing we cannot do, find a vaccine. So God is asking us, is it right to build your foundations on the pride of man? Is it right to build our foundations even on possessions and wealth? Now, we all know that the economy is so severely shaken. Big companies are having to fold up. So there is something about wealth that's an unstable foundation. But what about power? When I look at the world leaders today, I find one truth that COVID-19 reveals. They are shaken to the core of decision-making. And with every nation, when the virus hit, the difficult decision to go into lockdown or not to go into lockdown. Where are the PPEs? Such a simple thing, PPEs. And we don't know how to distribute it. We don't know what to do with it. What is God saying to you and to me? That these foundations of power, of pride, and even of great possessions will not be able to give a strong foundations on the day of reckoning. I want to also address this because not only are the foundations of the world being shaken, the foundations of church is also being shaken. In fact, when COVID-19 came, all the churches were under lockdown. We had to cancel all our conferences, we had to cancel all our projects and all our programs, and we were reduced to working from home. We were reduced to worship from home. But even as we went through this and praised God, well done. Even though we never went to church, the church came to us or we are the church. Now turn to your friend and say, for the first time, I realized I don't go to church. I am the church. Or Actually, you cannot be a church on your own. Say to someone next to you, we are the church. Or if you don't have anyone next to you, quickly type to them, type to a friend. You and I are the church. So that's good news. The church survived this and that's praise the Lord for this. We don't have to go to church. 
we are the church. Now, now that you and I are the church, God is now saying to you and to me, and this is serious, God said to me, though this shaking may not have shaken the church to its core, watch out for the next few shakings. Look at some of the false foundations that the church has also built in. Not only has the world built in false foundations into our lives, God told me the church has also built in some false foundations. What are the false foundations that we may be in danger of building into our spiritual life? The first is this, obedience, uh, knowledge without obedience, which is what Jesus refers to in Matthew chapter 7. You hear the words, but you do not put it into practice. If we hear the words of God and we study the Bible, but we don't ever obey it and there's no application of it, actually, it's just theory. It's head knowledge. Obedience enables us to transfer what we have heard into a reality. I'll give you a story that happened to me many, many, many years ago when I was uh, in Sabah. Someone told me that actually the dragon carpet that I had, the dragon vases that I had, had to be destroyed. They were referring to Deuteronomy chapter 7. Do not bring any of these grotesque idols into your home. To me, I had lived a Christian life since I'm 13 years old, and I've never encountered any real major mishaps. Why would I need to do that? But God prompted me, just obey. And I'll tell you what happened. Even as I began to burn the carpet, it was an expensive carpet. And as I began to destroy all the vases that had dragon images on it, because the dragon is the image of the devil, of Satan in Revelations. And as I did that, two weeks after that, the Holy Spirit came into our church. And I had a Holy Spirit encounter that has made me never be the same. It has become the bedrock of my foundation of my faith. You see, when you go to an experience, the knowledge of that truth becomes a living reality. And now it becomes, becomes a conviction. Christianity without convictions make a Christian unstable. It is the convictions that will drive us, that will stabilize us in the storm. And so one of the major things God is saying to us, what are your convictions? But we can never have convictions until we obey. Second thing is that we need to cultivate the fear of the Lord, not just love of the Lord. What is the difference between loving God and fear of the Lord? Do you know that when we talk about the love of God, if you were to look at this declaration in Exodus chapter 34, the Lord, the Lord, gracious and compassionate, slow to anger, abounding in love, forgiving iniquity, rebellion and sin, that is the love of God. And when we hear that, of course, we love it. And it's not wrong. It's a powerful truth. In fact, it's an important truth. In fact, it's a foundational truth. We must have the love of God dwelling within our hearts. But the second part of that verse says, so it goes on to say, forgiving iniquity, rebellion and sin, but not leaving the guilty unpunished, but punishing the sins of the fathers even to the third and fourth generation. Now, when we hear that, we don't like it. Why? Because it's about God's wrath. So what's the difference between the love of God and the fear of God? 
When we have the love of God, it's the compassion of God that we're drawn into. And because He loves us, He's compassionate towards us, we want to obey Him. In fact, Jesus says, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. But I'll tell you one thing about when our fathers love us or someone loves us and we obey them out of love. When the obedience becomes tough, we tend to negotiate. I tend to negotiate with God. I know that Father God is my Father in heaven. He loves me. He will never leave me nor forsake me. And recently, when he told me to go on a certain type of fast, I began to negotiate with him. Oh, Lord God, you know, I cannot do it. You know, like talking to a loving father. And, you, you know, all loving fathers, after a while, says, okay, I'll let you off. But that was not good for me. I needed to experience also the fear of the Lord. So while the love of God draws me to obey him because of his compassion, but it's the chastisements of the fear of the Lord that makes me want to obey. No longer when the Lord began to show me, either you learn it now to obey me in this, or you will not have a strong foundation because things are going to change. Discipline must come. Without discipline, we will not be trained to have a fruit of righteousness. There's a real need for us to understand God as not just saviour, but also as judge. Jesus is coming back as the judge of all the earth. It's the fear of God that drives us into accountability and to take responsibility, even to grow up. And with this, without this kind of core beliefs, we will find it hard to believe in God and to trust God. God may even offend us. Do you know many people were offended with this crisis because they asked themselves, how can a loving God allow so much death? Do you know when I went into the presence of the Lord, it was the Lord that asked, told me, you have no compassion on the dying. It's only now when you see 20,000, 30,000 people dying in Italy, in Spain, in US, that you begin to grieve. I want you to realize that. You see, there are many things about God we do not know. And that is why, as we go through this crisis, we must develop an understanding of God, a knowledge of God that gives both sides, the love of God and the fear of God, the compassion of God, the chastisement of God. God has saved Jesus as Savior and Jesus as Lord, and He is also a God of wrath, but also God of mercy. Listen to what John Bevere says. Holy fear is the key to God's sure foundation, unlocking the treasures of salvation, wisdom, and knowledge. Along with the love of God, it composes the very foundation of life. In other words, he's saying, you need both the love of God and the fear of God if you're going to have a foundation that is unshakable. We will soon learn that we cannot truly love God until we fear Him, nor can we properly fear Him until we love him. And that is why when the children of Israel were coming together as a nation, Moses gave them a clear understanding of building a strong foundation that would take the children of Israel through all this crisis, through many battles, and still stay strong. So turn with me to Deuteronomy chapter 10, verse 12. And now, O Israel, what does the Lord your God ask of you? But to fear the Lord your God, to walk in all his ways, to love him, to serve the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul, 
and to observe the Lord's commands and decrees that I'm giving you today for your own good. The purpose of God in building this as a strong foundation into us is for our good, so that the house of God would be unshakable, so that our faith would be unshakable. Because the church of God, as we move outwards, God is concerned that if the church does not learn to obey Him, but just know about Him, if the church does not balance both the fear of God and the love of God, then the church will become a church that has form, an outward form, but without the power. What is an outward form? An outward form means we can have programs, we can have fantastic speakers even, we can have great conferences, but the truth is there's no inner power. There's no inner reality. It is like having Christianity without the conviction of who Christ is. Church history tells us that when churches focus, when Christians focus on an outward form and build great palatial buildings, great ceremonies, beautiful gowns and robes to create a human splendor that everyone marvel at, and they forget the core essentials, actually, the church is at its weakest. There's a story told of a Pope that was walking through Rome with one of his young priests. And he turned to the priest and said, look at our cathedrals, look at the monuments. Wow, today the church does not need to say, silver and gold, we have none. But the young priest turned to him and said, neither can the church say, silver and gold are none, but in the name of Jesus, rise up and walk. That is a church as form without power. Brothers and sisters, this is an important thing for us to take note. The desire of God moving out of COVID-19 is that there is a spiritual renewal, a church that is not concerned about its outer forms, but concerned about its inner convictions. Christianity without convictions will never change the world. Form without the power of the Holy Spirit, the presence of God indwelling us, manifesting His glory in our midst, will never draw anyone to Him. In fact, the whole purpose of 1010, remember, is to build in the presence of God. For the last 50 days, we talked about what is the attitudes of our spirit? What do we need to watch within us that will allow heaven to come to earth? That is when there is power in the church. I want to end by looking at this wonderful verse in 2 Timothy chapter 1, one of my favourite verses, because Paul writes it at the end of his life. That's why I'm suffering as I am, yet I am not ashamed, because I know whom I have believed, and I'm convinced that he's able to guard what I've entrusted to him for that day. In this verse, Paul shares with us a secret how to build a strong foundation that will not be shaken. Even though he was put in prison, even though he has been beaten, even though he has been persecuted, he has been betrayed, even though everything is against him, the foundation of the Apostle Paul began to become the foundation of the early day church. So what is it about the Apostle Paul that we can learn from him? to build a strong foundation, a true foundation that cannot be shaken. 
So let's look at the Apostle Paul again and learn from him. He says in verse 12, I know whom I have believed. Whom has Paul believed in? He has believed in Jesus Christ. In verse 10 it says, Jesus Christ who has destroyed death and brought life and immortality to light. In other words, he was not just believing in a theology. He was not just believing in a, a truth. He was believing in the person of Jesus Christ who has conquered death. Death no longer has victory. He has also believed in Jesus Christ who has given him life and immortality. That is why it was a strong and a firm foundation. And this is a foundation that will be unshakable. Death cannot even shake us. But I want you to take another look at verse 12. Even as we believed in Jesus Christ, as the one who has defeated death and has given us immortality or eternal life, we cannot stop death. Like Paul, we must say, I know. I know means not just know in the head, know in the heart. And how can we know in the heart unless we obey? It cannot be just head knowledge. It has to be heart knowledge. It cannot be... Uh, intellectual knowledge, it has to be experiential knowledge. He had an experiential knowledge of Jesus. And as he did that, he says, I am now convinced. Remember, until you obey, the truths of God sound like just a philosophy, just something to tickle our ears. But when we obey, it becomes a living reality. And when it becomes a living reality, it becomes the core DNA of us. We are convinced, it becomes a conviction and we will never move from that conviction. So when we know God as the one that is real and as we begin to be convinced He is who He says He is, we can now, like Paul says, I know whom I believe and I'm convinced that He's able to guard what I have entrusted to Him even until that day. No matter what the shakings will come, the question is, how can we trust God all the time, even when it is tough? Because the one that's going to keep us together is God himself. What kind of foundation will become strong? A foundation that will never give up on the risen Christ. He alone is our solid foundation because he alone has conquered death and has given life and immortality. He is unshakable. He is the Alpha and the Omega. And not only that, he's coming back again. So I just want to summarize and bring us to a conclusion. The first thing we need to say to ourselves is this, I know whom I have believed. So we have to ask ourselves, do we really know this God that we believe? Turn to your friend and say, or to your family member and say, I know whom I believe. And if they ask you, whom have you believed? You say, Jesus Christ, who has conquered death and given me life and immortality. Why don't you type it, those of you in the chat rooms? I know whom I believe. I know whom I believe. Not just what I believe. I know whom I believe. And praise God, as we walk through life, as we obey Him and don't just know about Him, as we begin to know Him more, not just know about the love of God, but begin to walk in holy fear of God, we will become convinced that God will keep us strong even until that day.
the day of shakings. And that is what will make the church having an inner power where the glory of God can come. That was what happened to the Ezra when they began to come back to Jerusalem and they began to follow through and obedience to God. They began to walk in the fear of the Lord and the temple was finally rebuilt. And do you know that that temple is the temple that Jesus walked into many hundreds of years later. And in the same way, Jesus is going to walk into our temple of our church, of our bodies, even as we go out of COVID-19. It's going to be a glorious season, my friends. Turn to your friends and say, it's going to be a glorious season. It's going to be a season of spiritual reawakening, spiritual renewal. Praise the Lord. And turn to your friend and say, I have Jesus. He is my strong foundation. For some of you who have not believed in Jesus Christ, this is a good time. It's a good time to say, I don't know whom I believe. I don't know what I believe. I'm not sure about my foundation. And if you want to make Jesus your firm foundation, why don't you join me in this prayer? Shall we all pray together? Even for those of us who know Jesus, let's declare one more time that we want Jesus to be our firm foundation. Come, let's pray. Lord Jesus Christ, today I declare I do not know you and I realize I need you for my foundation is shaky. So Lord Jesus, I admit I am a sinner and I need, O oh Lord God, your forgiveness of sins. I thank you, O oh Lord God, that you have died for my sins and you have conquered death. And even now, as I put my trust in you, you will give me life and immortality. Thank you, Jesus. And I now declare, I know whom I have believed, even Jesus Christ was risen from the dead. Thank you, Jesus. Today, my name is written in the book of life. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Jesus. Almighty God. Amen. Wow. Isn't that a firm foundation to know that our names are written in the book of life? Why don't we just turn to one another and say, Praise the Lord. Jesus is my firm foundation. So I will go on knowing Him, obeying Him, allowing Him to teach me so that I know I can trust Him no matter what. Thank you, Lord. You always want to bless us. You always want to make us strong and unshakable. So Lord, even as we move from today's service, may the Lord bless you and keep you. May He cause His face to shine upon you gracious to you. And may the Lord turn His face towards you and give you His shalom. And all of us who love Jesus and know Him say, Amen. Thank you so much for joining me. Do send me a little chat as to how you feel. And if you have asked Jesus to be your firm foundation today, please let me know. Just tap it in and say, Today I made Jesus my firm foundation. God bless you. God bless you.